listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us every week as we break down an issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. And this week, we're discussing the persecution of the Uyghur Muslims in China and asking the question, is genocide playing out in the communist nation right now? Keith, I'd like to start by getting a bit of a better understanding of the Uyghurs. Could you explain to us more about this group? Yeah, so we're talking about an area of China which is well to the west of Beijing. So if you like, there are, geographically speaking, three strands of China, three Chinas on the mainland. Down the eastern seaboard, which is where most of us go if we're going for business or holidays in China. Mm. So that's Beijing, you know, all the way down the east coast. That's where the wealth of China is currently being generated. Then a second stripe, all three run from north to south. The second stripe running from north to south would be the territories that are still predominantly Han Chinese. So the Han Chinese are the predominant population in China. Mm -hmm. They are in an area which is themselves beginning to expand. You've got industrial cities being created, etc. And then you have the far west. The northwest of China is Xinjiang. And then the southwest is Tibet, which is a whole separate subject. <laughs> yeah, that's another issue. <laughs> another issue. <laughs> so in the case of northwest, Xinjiang has a population of about 12 million Uyghurs. So they are predominantly Turkic speakers. So mm-hmm. if you like, these are people who moved over from the Caucasus region, move over from Turkey, and they travelled east. Right. And then settled on the far western side of the Chinese country at Mm -hmm. a time when borders were not really that significant. Right. So they are predominantly Islamic. So they resent the arrival of the Hun Chinese. And the Chinese government look upon the Uyghurs as being a weak link in the Chinese population because, well, for a start, they're not Hun Chinese and they see themselves as part of this larger Islamic Ummah and so just don't regard them as terribly reliable. It's an area which is very rich in resources, an area which is very rich in terms of growing cotton. Mm. So a quarter of the world's cotton may Mm. come from this occupied territory. What are the accusations being levelled at the Chinese government in relation to the Uyghurs? The Chinese are being accused of running re-education campaigns. They are rounding up Uyghurs and seeking to educate them in the work and values, the history of China. Mm -hmm. That's one problem. The second problem is that they are deploying Hun Chinese, the people that you see on the the rest of the country, they're moving into Xinjiang because they will then make the Uyghur population the minority population. Right. So if you were to vote on self-determination, which is not going to happen, the Uyghurs are going to be outnumbered Mm -hmm. by the Hun Chinese. And another problem is that the culture of the Uyghurs is being destroyed Now, this is a form of genocide. Mm. Cultural genocide exists as well as physical genocide. So one of the things they do is they put people with a Hun Chinese background in the homes of the Uyghurs. In other words, they say, you know, this is your relative now from Beijing who will be living in your home. Now, of course, that person is there to spy on you. Right. There's a huge spying network that's been set up, facial recognition technology, how often you open your front door 
et cetera. It's a huge amount. It's a surveillance state. Mm. And so the Chinese have been experimenting with developing the surveillance state, which, of course, we're going to be doing shortly here in Australia mm. in terms of people entering gambling venues. They're going to be photographed, et cetera. What is happening is that we're all becoming subject of this surveillance state, either it's Chinese or some other country that's developing the technology of repression. And there have been people who have escaped, so to speak, from the regime there, and they've reported some really horrible atrocities, haven't they? They have indeed. So this has been on the international agenda now for several years. We can't say that we were never told about this. It's just that China is just a significant economic player that people really don't want to stand up to China. Mm. Uh, The United States, United Kingdom, and also to a certain extent Australia, will complain about the violation of human rights in Xinjiang. So that has certainly been an improvement. China's denying the allegations though, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, they would say that, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's, I mean, are they just flat out saying? Yeah, nah, just flat nah. out denying it. Yeah, yeah, this is not a problem. Nothing to see here. Move along. Now, the region the Uyghurs live in, Xinjiang, is the fifth largest producer of the world's cotton, like you touched on before. Now, there are accusations they're being forced into the fields against their will. Is there any sort of pressure on then the clothing companies and the manufacturers that are then using that cotton and they're overseas? Are they facing pressure? Yeah, they are. The companies that use cotton grown in Xinjiang are themselves now being subject to consumer boycotts and consumers are becoming better educated mm. as to where they're buying the, the products and where the products are made, etc. And so, yes, there has been pressure on some of those clothing companies to not source their material from Xinjiang. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. Thanks for your company this week as we discuss the persecution of the Uyghurs in northwest China. Now, we've touched on the fact that it's made it into worldwide headlines in recent months and years even. What sort of global pressure is Beijing facing to respond to the allegations? Where's the pressure coming from? Who's trying to get them to fess up? Well, this for me is the irony of the situation that the people who are leading the charge on this are actually Western countries. So the the viewpoint for a Muslim is that you are born into an Islamic civilization, the Ummah. And so Muslims everywhere should show solidarity. Mm -hmm. And it's a solidarity which transcends national boundaries. This is the theory underpinning Islam. And yet when we actually look at the struggle over Xinjiang and the Uyghurs, it's actually coming from the West. Right. Western countries, UK, Australia, even more so the United States, these are not predominantly Islamic societies. They do have some Muslims there, but they're not predominantly Islamic societies. So where are the Islamic societies? So you would have Indonesia, Saudi Arabia. They're not complaining about this. Mm. That's what I find fascinating. They're supposed to be part of this Islamic civilization where you're supposed to be caring for each other, etc. And yet, They are not willing to take on the power of China in order to support their own fellow religionists. And ironically, it's the secular West with perhaps Christian heritage roots. They're the ones that are taking on the struggle. Mm. For me, it's just so weird. China is just so important to those countries. China is able to use its financial muscle to be able to... um, deter other countries like Indonesia from raising these issues. Money talks in international politics 
And so, in a sense, you've not got a global Islamic campaign to try to liberate the Uyghurs. Do you see something like that happening and building in the future? No, I don't. Yeah. I think the Chinese economy, assuming it can continue its own economic growth, of course, that's a bit of a question mark. There are some people who are saying that China is peaking in terms of its economic position. This year, economic growth in China will be less than that of Australia. Right. Obviously, the Chinese economy is bigger than Australia's, but the rate of economic growth has actually slowed down quite dramatically. But as long as China remains the major player in the global economy, it'll deter other countries, including Islamic ones, from trying to stand up for the Uyghurs. Mm. You mentioned it before, these re-education camps. What's happening in them that we know of? Well, it's very difficult to get information about them. Google is able to photograph some of those camps and be able to see what is going on, at least in terms of the buildings. The allegation is that they are being re-educated. So, as I say, this goes back to the Genocide Convention after World War II, when the international community wanted to respond to the atrocities committed by the Germans in World War II. And so the Genocide Convention, genocide means the side murder of an entire people. And so the Genocide Convention, to which Australia is a party, looks at the way in which people are being persecuted by governments. And so the argument here is that if you round up Uyghurs and you put them into camps and they then become residential places, basically prisons, and then subject them to learning about the ideas of Chairman Xi, etc., by virtue of re-education, is trying to destroy their own cultural roots and the value of the Uyghur way of life, etc., to make you more like a Han Chinese. Mm. Obviously, China's a communist nation and communications are very closely monitored. There's propaganda. Do ordinary Chinese people know about this? And if so, how do they feel? My guess is that most Chinese don't know. Yeah. This is a bit of a media blackout. Obviously, if they've got access to the Western media, Mm. they'd be able to see it. But also, I think for many Chinese, there's a a view that don't rock the boat, that you are dealing with with Uyghurs, you're not dealing with Han Chinese, they're a long way away from you, they're the other side of the country. So you really don't have that much sympathy for them. And the Chinese government has been able to use the war on terror very effectively. Mm -hmm. So if you are opposed to what Beijing is about, you then get labelled as a terrorist, which is the debasement of the English language since we've seen in in the 9-11, back in 2001, yes. when President George Bush came up with his own ideas about what constitutes the terrorism. Mm. And so there'd be a lot of people in China who are saying, oh, well, we can't support the Uyghurs because they're inherently terrorists. They're Muslims. And wherever you've got Muslims, you've got problems. Mm-hmm. That's their reasoning. Not one that I accept, but that is their reasoning. And so the Chinese government have been very smart as to how they've handled the Uyghur issue in the Chinese media. And... You touched on it a little bit before, but what do you see happening down the line with this? Is this going to continue on until the Uyghurs are are wiped out, their culture's wiped out? Yes, I fear that it will continue on that way. Beijing, under the current government, is not going to reverse its policy. Mm. And so, yes, unfortunately, I fear that this will just continue. It's very difficult for the international community to be able to gang up against China because China is such a major economic player. And I guess when people hear these stories, you know, they kind of sit there and go, 
you know, sitting in their bedroom in Sydney, what can I do to help? Is there anything we can do as ordinary citizens? Well, the obvious one is to just the boycott. Yeah. The cotton products mm. that come from Xinjiang. Although even there with boycotts, you're punishing the workers because it means they're going to get even less income. So even the idea of sanctions is a bit of a double-edged sword in terms of assisting the people that you want to help. But that is certainly one thing that you could do. And, of course, if you encounter Chinese people, like Chinese students, you could try to raise it with them, get them interested. In my experience, Chinese students are on their guard when they're studying overseas, and they've got a a system of mutual monitoring. Mm -hmm. So all the students are spying on all the other students just to make sure that they're treading the party line. Mm. So it is actually very difficult because if there were to be changes, it would come from these elite students being educated overseas who want to go home and then bring about changes in terms of civil liberties of one sort or another. And yet it's very difficult to get those people to focus on it. So when I teach Chinese students and I look at Xinjiang and the way in which the Western world expanded into Asia, I have to make it very clear that they've got to be very guarded in what they write in their own textbooks mm-hmm. in case the textbooks get inspected when they return back into China. Wow. It's a different world, isn't it? It is a very different world. Yeah, well, there's no doubt it's a troubling story, Keith, so thank you for your insights. Thank you. Global Truths is presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nikolic. Listener.